Morning, church. I want to talk about soccer before we get into the word this morning. I love this game. This is a game that I played growing up since I was five years old. 17 years I played soccer. I've shared some of those stories with you before here. But what I want to talk about is this. Um, When my soccer days were passed and then eventually I became a dad... Uh, I wanted to carry on in the game, but not playing, that's too much work. I wanted to coach, and so I continued with soccer in a coaching role. I coached my boys as they grew up, and we played in a community recreation league, and I was always their coach, and I still am. Um, I'm going to be Asher, my youngest. I'm going to be his coach again this spring as we play soccer, and and I love doing it, simply love doing it. And um, there's something that I've, I've watched happen, though. I grew up as a kid playing soccer in a day when it was very clear that there's one goal to the game. And it's put this ball in that net. That's what you're to do. Now, as I I kind of progressed through my coaching career, um, my older two boys hit the point where um, we decided we wanted them to play traveling soccer, play competitively, and see if this is really a game that they want to stick with and uh, invest in. And so that's what they did. And when my two older ones moved into competitive soccer, into traveling soccer, I stepped out of the coaching role. I decided it's time that they had experience with some others, others that put a lot of effort in it. They've been trained as coaches and all that stuff. They're they're kind of professional coaches, and so I wanted them to have that experience, and now I've just stayed on with Asher um, as his coach and in the recreational league before he reaches that point, too. And so here's what I've learned as I've watched coaches in this day and age and, and how it's done differently than it was when I was young and I was playing. This is more what practice looks like now. So I've asked my two assistants, come on, boys, out here to the middle. I've asked these two guys to represent two practice teams when they come into practice because this is what happened. The coach sets them up. He breaks, splits them up into teams and it's usually three teams and they go through this drill and some variation of this drill through almost all of their practices. Somewhere in there, they're going to do this. And sometimes they do this for hours in a week. This is what they do. And so they're split into two teams, and this is team one over here, and this come over here. This is team two over here, and and usually what will happen is team two has some kind of penny on. Um, They'll be wearing some sort of color. Now, there's also a third team wearing a different color, a different colored penny. And and what happens is they set up a rectangle rectangle similar to this, and... um, At each of the four corners of the rectangle, they set up a goal with two cones, and they're about maybe six feet apart. So there's a goal there, and there's a goal there, and there's a goal there, and there's a goal there. And this team is trying to score on that goal over there and that goal over there. And that team's trying to score on that goal over there and this goal over here. So they can score on either one. If they're having trouble getting it into that goal, they can turn around and try and get it down here. Now, just to make things more complicated, the third team is is spread out at various points along the sideline. They're a neutral team. And so if Jude's having trouble over here with the ball, if he's getting surrounded, he can pass to the guy that's out of bounds. And that guy is now on Jude's team and he can put the ball back into play from where he is. And they will do this for hours 
And, and I get that they're working on possession, they're working on passing and all that kind of stuff. But honestly, Liam's trying to score on that goal and that goal, and Jude's trying to score on that goal and that goal, and they're allowed to kick the ball out of bounds, and it's still in play, and the whole thing just gets ginormously confusing. Because then, when you take these guys and you put them out on a soccer field, and they have one goal, and it's to put this ball in that net, sometimes it looks like they've never played the game in their lives. It's like they're looking for the guy on the sidelines to pass to, and you can't do that. Or there's this confusion of, wait a minute, the goal's supposed to be over there, but now it's down here, and it's really interesting to watch. All right, you two can sit down, take this with you. And, and there just gets to be this point where it's, it's confusing, um, but this is how they're drilling, and they're drilling over and over and over and over again. And so when we started off with that, well, Coach Dad, who knows way more than their actual coach, wasn't very comfortable with the way that they were training. I was getting frustrated because they looked really good in practice at getting the ball in one of the four nets. But once they were out on the field, they just looked lost. I'm going, that's not the game. Put the ball in the net. Work as a team to get down there and score. And, and last year, we picked up some, uh, some extra players. Our, our roster expanded. And what was added there was, was um, boys that fall into the, the gap trap. And that depends on where your birthday is and where you're placed according to your age and your grade level and all that kind of stuff. And so there's a handful of boys who came down a level to play on their team. And they'll have to do this next year um, because of where their birthdays landed. And they didn't quite fit in up there or down there. And so they just bring them down for a season and they get to play. And we had this one kid join us. And um, his name was Owen. And Owen was put, oh, it was really funny. Owen played goalkeeper on their other team. And he came down and Liam's our goalkeeper. And Owen didn't take over for Liam because Liam's better than him. And, <laughs> and, uh, um, and Owen got put up front. He got put on the front line as a striker. And right away, Owen has this mentality that when I get the ball, I'm going to put the ball in that net. And Owen's huge. He's like taller than me in in middle school, and he's a big guy. And Owen's whole philosophy was, if there's a guy in front of me, I'm going to go through him. And if there are two or three of them, I'm just going to go through them all, and I'm going to pound it past the goalie. And suddenly Owen's scoring one after another after another because his whole focus is get the ball in that net. And suddenly our team comes to life because they're like, oh, we can do that. And, and everyone rallies around it. And we had this crazy experience where the team is now pretty competent. Um, they're, they're focused on scoring. It just sort of changed things. They got out of the, the drills, the training mentality, into the game, into scoring goals. And yesterday, these guys had their first um, indoor. They play in, a, in an indoor winter league. And they play in a, in a hockey rink that's been converted. It's got turf on it now and soccer goals on each end. And it's a little different. You can play off the boards and all that kind of stuff. And um, they had their first game yesterday. Um, and they beat this team from Lakeville 14-2. to two. So um, they're back. This team is back. And they've got it figured out again. Get the ball in that goal. And they played really well. Now, look for the analogy. Church, there is a risk. There has been a risk for a long time 
that churches get lost in training and they forget how to play the game. And that's what I want to talk about with you this morning. We can spend very easily a lot of time learning and practicing and forget that there's a point to this game. And this morning, I want to help us get back there. We've been talking about training in this series. And I want to help us get back to that place where we remember that, oh yeah, there's a point to this game. And we don't get lost as a church in the training. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, you're going to need one. And so if you don't have one, go ahead and put your hand up and our ushers will get you a Bible that you can use to follow along with. Because we're going to look at a particular passage of scripture this morning. And uh, if you are receiving one of those Bibles that's being handed out here and you don't currently have one of your own, uh, keep that Bible and dig into it. There's so, so much there. All right. A few weeks back. Peter talked about the reality that what matters is what happens out there. He brought the coach and locker room analogy into this, and I'm just picking up on that. And he talked about the reality that what happens out there is really what matters. That's the game that I'm talking about this morning. This is the locker room. This is the huddle for what we're doing outside these walls. We've been talking about three dimensions of this training that we're doing, this training for eternity, training to be and make disciples of Jesus Christ. Training for eternity, we've said, is transformational, it's relational, and it's missional. And we're going to talk about those things again this morning. I want you to keep this image in mind. You are walking right now in your life, no matter where you're at, no matter what it is you do, You are walking through life side by side with Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Every step you take, every moment, every second of your day is spent right next to Jesus Christ. We may struggle to acknowledge that, but Jesus promised that he would never leave us or forsake us. That he would be with us wherever we went, and he is, and we've got to keep that image in our minds. So as we walk step by step with Jesus, at least three things happen. First of all, we learn from Jesus, and we become more like him. That's the transformational component of our training. And I would encourage you to to keep going on that. We're doing a, a, a series at the nine right now called In the Dust of the Rabbi. Um, go and, and understand more about who Jesus was and the life that he lived and how we can be living that life. Look for those transformational opportunities. There's a men's offering at the nine right now too. We have these things going on on a regular basis, different Bible studies and all those kinds of things. Um, Make it your goal to work on that transformation process. How can I become more like Jesus Christ? Secondly, we discover that Jesus is all about relationships. And so we become all about relationships When asked what the greatest commandment was, Jesus responded with, Love the Lord your God with everything you've got. That's your first relationship. And love your neighbor as yourself. That's the rest of your relationships. Carrying out the greatest commandment, which sums up all the previous commandments, can only be accomplished through relationships. 
That's the relational component of our training, what we're talking about in this series. Thirdly, as we walk side by side with Jesus, we soon realize that he is on a mission. And if he is on a mission and we're striving to become like him, then we're on a mission as well. It's a logical conclusion. That's the missional component of our training for eternity. There are many places that we see this three-dimensional description of our training in the Bible. This morning, I want to look at just one of those places with you. And so let's turn together in our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4. And in your program that you were handed on the way in is an insert. And on that insert is the passage that we're going to look at. And so if you want to have that in front of you and mark it up, make some notes on it, please do. But I want you to have that. I want you to take it with you. This is a critical passage to who we are and particularly to this series that we're talking about. So let's read together Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. We're going to hang out in this text today. This is what Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. And he's writing about the church, about the body. And he writes this, Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. And he and God gave the apostles, he gave the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful, in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, Joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. All right, so let's look at this passage in light of the three components of our training that we just mentioned. First of all, our training is transformational, it is transformational. And we can see that communicated and demonstrated in this passage that we're looking at. As disciples of Jesus, we are being transformed into the likeness of Jesus. As we spend time with Jesus, we are becoming more and more like him because we learn from him and his teaching. We see him in action and we strive to be like him. Remember that Jesus lived a perfect life. His calling was clear. We're going to get into that in in a little bit here. And his actions were perfect. What he did, we want to do. What made up his character, we want that to make up our character as well. So we grow to be like Jesus. Look at what we see in this passage from Ephesians. Verse 13, Paul states the goal. He says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Disciples of Jesus are being transformed to the point of having grown so mature that they are ready to receive the fullness of Jesus' likeness in them. They're becoming just like Jesus. 
That's what the Bible means when it talks about maturity. The more like Jesus you become, the more mature you are. And it's not knowledge about Jesus. It's knowledge of Jesus. And it's an experience of Jesus-likeness taking the place step by step of our limited human likeness. That's the knowledge of Christ. Verse 15 talks about growing up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. And this begs the question of where your growth is headed. Is Jesus becoming your head? Is he the center of your life? Does he call the shots? Is Jesus directing your thoughts and actions like your head is directing your physical functions? Are we growing up? Do we have a plan to grow up? Are we investing our lives in becoming like Jesus? Honestly, for a disciple of Jesus, there is nothing more important in their life than becoming like Jesus. That's what it means to be his disciple. And realistically, that means we're going to have to give some things up, doesn't it? Do we have the courage to ask ourselves this question? Is this thing, whatever it is that I'm investing in, making me more like Jesus? Or is it simply fulfilling some temporary earthly desire that I have for myself? Being a disciple of Jesus Christ is transformational. When he walked this earth, his disciples were devoted to becoming more like him every day. That's the pattern that we are to follow. Being that kind of disciple will lead us into being disciple makers. More on that in a few minutes. But we also see in our passage and in the life of Jesus that being a disciple of Jesus Christ and making disciples of Jesus Christ is relational. It's the second component. Jesus did not operate alone in his life. Neither did his disciples. So in our passage from Ephesians, what do we see? Well, to start with, Paul uses the word body in verse 12 and twice in verse 16. He talks about unity in verse, 11, in, in verse 13. He talks about each part working properly in verse 16. He talks about the church relationally building itself up in love in verse 16. And he talks about the spiritual gifts that God has given the church being used to build the church up. All of that is relational. All of it. Paul's not talking about individuals as much as he's talking about the corporate body that we know as the church. Our training for eternity is a relational quest to become as a body more like Jesus in the way that we relate to each other and do things like what Jamie talked about last week, like bearing each other's burdens. This is a growth challenge for us. Relationships are central to Jesus' model. He loved his disciples dearly, and he taught them to love each other dearly. Their relational experience was deep and real all the time. They were not workplace acquaintances. They were not casual friends who saw each other once a week and did little more than just get caught up. 
I don't recall seeing any, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing fine kind of conversations in the Gospels. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ, church, is relational. We play together. We play a team sport. We grow together in becoming more like Jesus and living like his bride. He wants to see us love each other. He pleaded with his father that we would live like that in loving, burden-bearing relationships. But that's not all we see in our passage. Being and making disciples is transformational. Being and making disciples is relational. And being and making disciples is missional. Look again at our passage. We're going to see something very enlightening. Um, I haven't seen this before in this particular passage until I studied it this past week. Our training for eternity has a goal. It has a goal. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ means that you become an ambassador for Jesus Christ. There's no other end to our training. Think through this with me. If we're truly devoting our lives to becoming like Jesus Christ, isn't it logical then that we would take up his mission? Being a disciple of Jesus is an action. It's not just a theology. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments in John 14. Well, to sum up his commandments, Jesus instructed his disciples to love him and to love their neighbor. A disciple of Jesus loves their neighbor. Inside and outside the church, we are to love our neighbors. Jesus came to earth because he loved us. He came to seek and to save those who were lost. He gave his life for the people he created. He suffered tremendously for the sake of the lost. He willingly suffered and died to restore people to God. William, give me the ball. What was the point of his game? We know what it was. We've seen him in action. We've seen Jesus carry out his mission, his ministry, the reason he came to earth. And what Jesus started, what Jesus started, church, he handed off to us. There's no way around that. The likeness of Jesus in us is reflected in the love that we have for the people he created and the devotion that we make to seeing them restored to their creator. That's our goal. That's the point of our game, to do what Jesus did, to be like him in every way, including his ministry. But pastor, that's not in our text. Okay, let's look. Verse 12, Paul writes that God gave the church specific God-given gifts for a particular reason. He said to equip the saints for the work of ministry. He followed that with words about the other purpose of these gifts. Paul said that we received them for the sake of building up the body. He also said we received these gifts for the sake of maturity. 
the relational and transformational aspects of what we're doing. But before that, he writes to equip the saints, that's us, for the work of ministry. Here's, this is our, our word of the day, ministry. Because when I say the word ministry, I can guess what comes to most of your minds. There's a lot of ministry happening in this church. We have ministries. We have a women's ministry. We have a men's ministry. We have family ministry. We have a youth ministry. We have all these different ministries in the church. And when we hear, when we see and hear ministry, we think of that. And this is where I think the risk comes with us going, that's what we're being equipped for is to do ministry. And ministry we define by our modern cultural context in the church of I need to be involved in a ministry of the church. That's doing ministry. That's not all there is to doing ministry. You have a ministry. I have a ministry. Every disciple of Jesus Christ has a ministry. And what is that ministry? Well, it's the same ministry that Jesus had. This word ministry has this meaning in our text, in the verse in which it is written. This is what ministry means. Ministry is the ministration or service of all who, endowed by God with powers of mind and heart, peculiarly, <laughs> such a hard word, peculiarly adapted to this end, endeavor zealously and laboriously to promote the cause of Christ among men. That's how the word ministry is used in Ephesians chapter 4. That's the ministry that we are being given. That's why I'm up here on a Sunday morning speaking to you guys, teaching you guys, because I am, my calling is to equip the saints for ministry, for furthering the cause of Christ in this world. That's my role. Your role is to be equipped to be equipped for the ministry that Jesus began and handed off to you and to me. It's what we do. And there's a lot of words in that definition, but this is what the Bible's referring to when it uses the word ministry. We have a ministry, all of us, the saints, you and me. I've been given a ministry by God, and that ministry is to promote the cause of Christ among men. You have a ministry. That ministry is to promote the cause of Christ among men. It's for every one of us. And what is the cause of Christ? To reconcile his creation to himself. And he has given us the tools that we need to get the job done. Just like he gave Jesus, his son, the tools that he needed to get his job done and then hand it off to us. He gave Jesus the Holy Spirit and that same Holy Spirit has been offered to us by our Father. 
So what's left then? Church, remember the point of the game. Remember the point of the game and get in the game. Get in the game. All of our training should have the purpose of equipping us to be effective as reflections of Jesus Christ in this world. Within the church, outside the church, at home, at school, at work, wherever you and I have been given this ministry by God. This is Communion Sunday. Um, There's a lot for us to think about related to Jesus' ministry and our ministry. Reflecting on his at the core of what Jesus came to do was the crucifixion. He came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus died for this world in dying with Jesus. We identify with the purpose that he died for. He set heaven aside for the sake of his ministry here on earth. And church, so do we. So do we. We set this life aside for the sake of our ministry here on earth. For furthering the cause of Jesus Christ. How can there be anything more important to us than the very thing that was important to Jesus? We die with him to be freed from death, yes, but also to be free to join him in his purpose, in his ministry. We die to our purpose and are raised to his purpose. I would ask you to identify with Jesus this morning. Remember that you have died with him. Now, this morning, maybe you, you get the positional truth here. You get the reality that Jesus died for you, and we don't have to die eternally anymore. We've been raised to life again. We are alive in Christ. True, 100% true. You have been raised from death. You have been given new life. You are free from the power of sin and death. You are, you are raised from the dead with Christ into new life. So what is that new life, church? What is that new life? What is it to you? Is it just your get-out-of-jail-free card? Is it just that that release of guilt because your sins are forgiven and, and that's all been done and now you can see what's coming in the future. So right now, life is yours. The world is your oyster. You're going to do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want. You're going to invest in anything that you want because you've already got the life card. Is that what it means to be disciples of Jesus Christ? It's not. That was the start for us, church. It began there. It begins there. We get forgiven. We get set free. We become, because of Jesus Christ and his body and blood, we become righteous again before God. Now what? Righteous for what purpose? Listen, to become like Jesus. 
where's our urgency in this? And I'm, believe me, there's the mirror again. I am not coming down on you. I'm challenging us. Jesus had a ministry. How can we say we want to become like Jesus except for that? We can't, church. You can't become like Jesus without taking up Jesus' ministry. The ministry of reconciliation was given to you and me, to the church. And we cannot say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, but that's not my thing. We can't do this, church. Think about, you're going to come in a little bit here and partake of the elements, the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus came and he offered his body up in obedience for the sake of taking on our punishment for us. He set everything aside to go through that willingly and intentionally. His father said, you are the sacrifice, you are the lamb. And he took it. He embraced it for the sake of this world. The blood of Jesus Christ represented in the cup here was shed so that you and I could be forgiven, so that we could stand before God, righteous, clean, holy, set apart. Set apart for what? Set apart to just hold on until we die and get to heaven, right? Set apart to train so hard that we forget the point of the game. We've been set apart by God through the body and blood of Jesus Christ for God's purpose to further the cause of Christ among men. That's who we are. Day in and day out, we are to pursue being transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. And that likeness includes his character, his theology, his ministry, his ministry. And when he handed that ministry off to us, church, that was his hope for future generations. That the church would pick up his ministry and fulfill it in the world to further his cause the cause of Jesus Christ among men and women and children in this world. Church, you and I have a ministry. It's part of becoming like Jesus. He laid everything down for us. What are we laying down for him? Many of us know what our purpose is in life. We have a plan. We have goals that we're going to achieve to see that plan fulfilled. How often does that plan or those plans have nothing at all to do with Christ's ministry? Listen, this, 
This is not about guilt trip. This is not about why aren't you doing more? This is about the joy of identifying with Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our shepherd, our savior, our king, our friend, and aligning with him in his ministry. In life, we have the opportunity to be transformed in his likeness. We have the opportunity to engage in the relationships that he's put in our path. And we'll talk more about that uh, next week, two weeks from now. We also have in front of us the opportunity to take up the mission and ministry of Jesus Christ and join him in it. And that incredible reality that comes along with us dying to ourselves so we can live for Christ, for his purpose, for his ministry. Church, if we're not doing it, we're missing out. It's hard, it's exciting, it's challenging, it's unbelievably rewarding. It's Jesus. It's him. It's us becoming like him. This morning, just ask yourself the simple question as you come up here to share in communion. Is it my desire to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ? And as you ask yourself that question and answer it one way or the other, acknowledge the reality that Jesus Christ gave his body and blood. He gave his life. He surrendered what he had in heaven. He gave everything for the sake of reconciling this world to his father. We're the beneficiaries of that. But he didn't just include us in that picture. He included our neighbors, our coworkers, fellow students, our family, our friends. And he handed off this model, this reality. And he invited us to die with him. Not just once to be positionally righteous, but every single day of our lives to surrender ourselves to his ministry, the ministry that he has called us into, the ministry that we are laboring to equip us ourselves for in this world. Identify with the death of Jesus Christ when you come this morning and die with him. Come with this thought, Jesus, I'm, I am dying to myself with you. You died to yourself for my sake. I will die to myself for your sake. Join him in that this morning. Offer that to him this morning. If you haven't done it, if that's not your practice, reconcile with him this morning. Father, forgive me for, for not doing this, for, for taking what you give and giving nothing back, for, for holding on to this treasure that you've given me and burying it in the sand. And simply say, today I die to myself. Something we should be saying every day. I die to myself. Jesus, I identify with you in giving up my purpose giving up my will for your will. God, may your will be done in my life and through my life. I'm going to invite the elders to come now and prepare to serve and the worship team as well, if they'll come up and 
lead us into a time of worship. Church, will you just pray with me right now? Let's just do a little business with God here. Father, you know that it is, uh, it's my fear that this message that you laid on my heart for today will come across as judgmental, accusational, guilt-driven, legalistic. So, Father, I ask that you would take this message of the ministry of Jesus Christ, the very same ministry that we've been called into. And by your Holy Spirit, you would take it into our hearts. And well beyond the point where we just say, all right, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to, I'm going to do more things. But you take it right to the point where we identify with your son, Jesus Christ. In his death. And we do truly and sincerely die to ourselves for the sake of the ministry and cause of Jesus Christ. God, on behalf of this church, I just declare that we want to become more like Jesus. We want to be transformed into his likeness. We want to take on his character we want whatever is important to him to be important to us. And as we rejoice, as we praise you for what we've received, lead us to the point in worship where we willingly and intentionally give back to you out of what we've received. And we join with Jesus in dying to ourselves and living for your purpose. Father, I thank you for the body and blood of Jesus Christ. I thank you for sending him to take our place and to have your wrath poured out on him instead of us. What an incredible act of mercy. And I praise you that because of that, we can stand before you righteous and holy, set apart. But God, help us this morning to see why we're set apart. To take up the ministry that Jesus gave us, the ministry that you've called us to be equipped for, the ministry of, of, of extending the cause of Jesus Christ, declaring the cause of Jesus Christ to this world. Help this church, help these individuals in this room, myself included, to identify with your son, with Jesus Christ, as we come to partake of the communion elements. Thank you for the body of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ. We praise you for his work, for his ministry. In his name, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.